The Anton Savage Show Saturday with Nifty Business on News Talk. I'm joined <laughs> by Barbara Scully, author and broadcaster, and Hugh O'Connell, deputy political editor at the Sunday Independent. We're going to look at what's in the newspapers. The news never ends, does it, Hugh? It's always there. Lots of stories. Never goes away. We, we picked out a few. <laughs> yeah. uh, the first one that caught my eye was uh, warns about new floods coming in 2024. Eamon Ryan El Nino is going to strike again. Mm. So it looks as if uh, there's fears about about the weather coming but, up in 2024. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, we, we've had a very interesting year from, from a weather perspective. Uh, July, remember July? How wet it was? My God, like I'm still not over You're still it. damp. Yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously even the last week, you know, we've had a very mild December uh, and then the last week we've just had lots of rain and more rain expected and I think it's going to be very turbulent over the next kind of 28, 24, 48 hours. Um, and this is Eamon Ryan, uh, the Minister for the Environment and the Green Party leader, warning um, in this pre-Christmas briefing that he and other political leaders would have done with journalists, political journalists, um, that you know, 2024 is going to be pretty bad as well and we can expect more flood damage, so we can expect more of the kinds of things that we saw in, in Cork, in Middleton in October. Um, and you know, there's been other f- serious flooding events that have hit other parts of the country. Um, and... You know, that's something that is, as far as he's concerned, and I think as far as most scientists would be confer- c- concerned, is, is a result of climate change, uh, climate breakdown, and the fact that, um, you know, the uh, carbon emissions have contributed towards uh, the sort of extreme weather events that we can get used to. And it's not just in Ireland, of course, it's worldwide. Mm. Um, so we're going to have a lot more turbulence on that front in 2024, right, yeah. I think. Is he making a political point, partly, in well, a sense, by saying, look, I'm the Green Party guy? Yeah, of course he is. And yeah. that'd be understandable, I mean, look, his, of course. His, would, whole, you know? his whole raison d'etre and the Green Party yeah. is, is, to, is to tackle this issue and, and to get serious about climate change, or climate action, rather. Um, and, you know, in fairness to the Green Party, they have dragged Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael to positions on this, which are um, quite... Uh, it, like it is the greenest programme for government ever. Um, right. It has been the greenest government ever by virtue of the fact that it's put in, pla- thing, put in place things like, uh, you know, legally binding uh, reductions, tar- emissions reductions targets um, and all these kinds of measures which, you know, a lot of people in the Green Party feel have, have set Ireland on a trajectory now that it can't go back. Right. We won't be like, you know, reopening peace fired mm. energy plants or anything yeah. like that. We, you know, we will be going down a more greener path. How uh, relevant that is when, given the, the country of our size, and you consider that the US and China and all these major co- countries are still emitting huge amounts of, of carbon um, as to whether it has any real impact in terms of reducing the uh, the rate at which right. global temperatures are growing, we, we wait and see. But yeah. um, it's... it's um, look, I think... For people generally and for voters, and I think this is what's really, and we'll talk about this in a while in terms of the, the local elections, what's really interesting, I think, is is will these more extreme weather events in 2024 uh, sway people towards voting green and yeah. voting for, for politicians who espouse green policies as opposed to voting for, you know, politicians who are less green? Right. Gotcha. That's yeah. going to be yeah. an interesting trend, isn't it? Because yeah. usually in... In midterm elections for government's smaller coalition partners, and that's what the Green Party are, they're the smallest of the three parties yeah. in government, they only have 12 TDs, usually they get a big wallop in a midterm election, yeah. in a local and European election. I 
don't necessarily think that's going to be the Maybe case. Maybe different this party. time. Right? It could be different. Yeah. Could I be different. think so. Barbara, the weather, Barbara, what, what, what do you think of the weather? Well, it's gas because when you know when you think about when we started to, it's gas. We when you <laughs> literally, uh, yeah, the carbon dioxide yeah, being yeah, the gas yeah, in question. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know when we started, to, well, not when we started. I suppose when climate change became like a big thing, there was an element here in Ireland of like global warming. Sure, a bit of that would be not so bad, yeah. would it? You know, because we're always yeah. freezing. Um, but I think now we're realizing that a climate change for us means that we're going to get very wet, as Hugh said, and we're going to have yeah. more of these flooding um, and more rain and more rain and more rain and more rain, um, which isn't good. But I do think, you know, coming back to, to what you said about um, poli- politics and how this will play out maybe in the elections for the Green Party, etc. I think for the last, you know, couple of, well, for the last decade or so anyway, not just on this issue, but on other issues as well, very often the people are ahead of the politics, you know what I mean? And I think from my personal experience of talking to friends and neighbours, most of us are very aware of climate change and most of us are very aware of the fact that we all have a, a responsibility to try and do whatever we can, um, you know, to 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 combat mm. uh, the worst effects of climate change. And I think what's interesting in the piece that's in the Irish Times today is um, uh, Eamon Ryan refers to nature-based solutions. And, and one of the things that's mentioned in the piece is, is streams and culverted streams. And during COVID, when none of us were allowed to do anything, myself and my husband uh, uh, took up riding on our bikes around the low, when you could only go two or five kilometres. And it was funny the amount of things we noticed that we would have, and I've lived in the same place forever, that I'd never noticed before. And one of the things I noticed was that streams disappeared. You know, mm. you'd say, oh, there's, where does that go? And then it disappeared. So much of our natural watercourses ha- were culverted, obviously in the 70s and 80s when the suburbs were being developed here. Um, and, you know, so, but I, and I think that, you know, the fact that now we, we don't culvert them, you tend to see streams going yeah. through housing estates and that kind of stuff. Um, he, the other one that made the news last week was, was um, um, about not, Paving over your front garden, yeah, um, yeah, in order to 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 help with flooding. Right. But I mean, and that seems to be a bit of like really. Um, yeah. But I do think all of us can do a lot who are privileged enough to have a garden yeah. with our gardens in order to improve biodiversity. Right. Because a lot of the solutions, I think, like this world worked until we messed it up. It did. That's true. Um, yeah. So you know, a lot of it is about trying to re- trying to undo. The kind of messing yeah. up that we have done, as well as carbon emissions. Right. And all but the what big strikes stuff. me is the extreme weather makes it real, doesn't it? In a sense, I mean, it I, does I, make I, it us real. humans evolved to worry yeah. about immediate danger. Actually, yeah. we're very bad at long-term danger. Very bad, and, and politicians are very bad at long-term uh, uh, stuff well, as well. Yeah, you know, now if there's flooding and there's all these things happening, now it becomes extremely real. It does it? become yeah. extremely real, and I mean, anybody who watched the news footage of what happened to Middleton there um, a couple of months yeah, ago, October, yeah. I mean, that was heartbreaking, was. and that affects yeah. individual families and businesses and all the rest of it to a yeah. really, really serious degree. We've got a couple of texts have come in. Isn't oh, that good. People, People are awake and up. Awake. Hey. Yeah. So one text <laughs> says 50% more rain in Dublin for 2023 when compared to 2022, say the statistics. Is that likely? It probably is. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know what the A huge amount more rain I mean, in Look, as I said, July. Remember July. July, that's Don't right. Bear in mind that 2023 was the hottest year on record. But that's the other and thing the as well. the previous hottest year yeah, was 2022. Yeah, that was announced yesterday. What, what, yeah. seems, what seems to be happening is we kind of get May, June where we get like really hot weather and then the rest of the summer and we it's think, oh, out. we're going to have a great summer yeah. and then the yeah. rest of the summer is a complete washout. Like yeah. that's happened, I feel like that's happened the last few years. And we tend mm. to stay milder for longer. Yeah, like September, right. October yeah. tends to still be quite, yeah. we're going, where's yeah. the winter, you know. Yeah. Um, it seems miles off and then suddenly we get plunged into... Yeah. 
I know. But Christmas was too mild and that drives me mad because the one <laughs> yeah, thing you I'm need to do... You want a frosty, yeah. you want cold a frosty, Christmas, cold you, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had some friends in and we lit the fire and honest to God almighty, warm, yeah. people nearly passed out. <laughs> but, you, but you couldn't use paper kits. No, no, of course no. we didn't. <laughs> Just wood. Just wood. But you're but right. Like, I was dying to light a roaring fire but it was too warm outside. It was too yeah. warm. You know. But, but didn't you hear you said that this is the greenest government Ever, yeah, is it in a way? I mean, like in terms of, uh, as I said, in terms of the, the policies that they're, they're implementing in terms of things like, say, the, the transport budgets where there's a two to one split in favour of public transport and cycleways and walkways versus investment in roads. Yeah. Like that is a that is a real measure that uh, is indicative of a government that's that's greener than any other government we've right. ever had in this country. Yeah. But whether it's green enough is the question and whether it will have any tangible impact in terms of, uh, you know, the global situation yeah. is it's another matter. It's another matter entirely. Can, yeah. the, can the government influence things internationally? I presume they can through... Yeah, I mean, Eamon Ryan, or, or, Eamon or the, Ryan was the, uh, he, he was the lead, one of the lead EU negotiators yeah. at the COP28. COP28, that's pretty talks. impressive, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so, you know, he has some influence in that space as yeah. well. I think the fact that the Greens are in government here is something that, you know, worldwide, uh, not worldwide, but Europe-wide yeah. is seen as, is, as Ireland being, you know, progressive, progressive. in that space. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but as I said, you know, the bigger the bigger problem, I mean, the, the thing I'd really worry about from a climate change perspective is if Donald Trump returns to the White House. Yeah. Next yeah. Yeah. Another thing we'll talk we about will in a few come minutes. On to that, yeah. But that, if he does, I mean, he's going to undo a lot of what the Biden yeah. administration has done to try and, and make America a bit more green. And before our next topic, another text has come in. Uh, with all this rain and subsequent runoff, it's a real shame that Irish water don't have a regular income stream. Mm-hmm. Further, to maintain the network. That's from Brian in Dublin. So that's another topic entirely. Another political <laughs> topic. Water charges. Remind me of Dead politically for the next 10 years at least. Now the next one that got my attention, Barb, was about taxi drivers. Right. So now this morning I had to get up very early to come in here, you know, and prepare yeah, like, myself. So and it was, now, and it was pitch dark, <laughs> which was miserable. You didn't. Did you notice it was pitch dark? It was pitch dark. And I'm definitely. going, I'm supposed to be on my holidays. <laughs> anyway, I got a taxi up. <laughs> yeah. I had a great chat with a taxi driver. He said to me, taxis are the only transport system that's there 365 days of the year yeah. to bring people around. It's true, isn't it? Yeah. You, know, you can't get a bus or a Lewis or whatever no. it might be. But this story is slightly negative. It says taxi drivers are refusing to take passengers on short journeys. And this has a particular big impact for women um, and women's safety. Um, you know, there's been an awful lot of talk um, in the last couple of months about safety in Dublin and how safe Dublin is as a city and particularly at night. But the story that's quoted um, in this piece, which was in the Irish Examiner, um, is about from one woman um, who said she was in town at 3.30am. She'd, she'd been celebrating uh, a, a friend's birthday. The friend she was with had a further distance to go so she took the first taxi that came. So this woman was left waiting for a taxi. She didn't have far to go but she she didn't feel safe yep. walking it on her own which, you know, any woman will, will identify with that. <laughs> and two taxis refused to take her because yeah, they said yeah. the journey wasn't long enough. And apparently they don't have any uh, um, uh, legislation or any rules in their own organisation that allow them to do that. They can refuse to take a passenger if they feel unsafe or if they're intoxicated or if they're going to, they think it's going to be trouble. But they cannot refuse to take a passenger just because they consider the journey to be too short. Um, so this is a serious issue yeah. that needs to be addressed, as I say, because women in particular are yeah. the ones you that are... 
would have taken the one, wouldn't you? You no, would, I mean, it's, it's different if there's somebody drunk or there's somebody easy. Yeah. You wouldn't want to take someone into your taxi. But, but again, situation. you know, I guess, you know, I guess it's a case of like, you know, well, if I take her and I'm only going, you know, two kilometres yeah. down the road, I might miss a longer trip. I'm going to miss a longer yeah. trip, yeah. you know, and it's, it's all about the money. But at the same time, I do think they have a responsibility that if there is somebody, and I think, you know, I don't like gendering rules, but I think particularly yeah. if there's a woman on their own, that, that that a taxi driver should, you know, be willing to go. I mean, there's there's a minimum fare in a taxi anyway, anyway of 480 yeah. when you get yeah. in. Right. So on top of that, then they get 171 per kilometre or 60 cents uh, per minute. Right. So, you know, it's not like they're doing it for free. But um, yeah, I mean, the other the other thing this raises, and it's something I have two adult daughters who have, we were only having this conversation at home recently about why we don't have 24 hour public transport. Yeah in a capital city. Um, and that might ease up some of these uh, problems as well, you know. Yeah. But clearly we don't have enough taxis if taxis anyway. can afford to pick and choose like yeah. this and just <laughs> go for the longer journeys. It, it seems journeys. to me to be a constant topic taxis in Dublin and, and, and around. Yeah. There's, some extent. there's always some <laughs> yeah. issue, isn't there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, post, post-pandemic there was a short, huge shortage of yeah. taxi That's drivers. Right. I remember right. being out, it was a Christmas last year and couldn't get a taxi for love nor yeah. money out of town. Yeah. Like just, just there wasn't any. Walked yeah. all over town mm. trying to get one. Yeah. She had to walk home. Right. Probably yeah. should have just walked home in the first place. At least you got some exercise. Yeah, at least I got some exercise. <laughs> but it's different for me. I'm six foot four. Yeah, that's big, right. I'm exactly. a big fella. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can handle myself. Um, it, it's a lot different for me than it is for for a woman trying yeah. to get home at that hour of the night. Unfortunately. Um, but I mean, I have I've been refused a, a taxi ride because it's shy to live up in Portobello, not far from here. And right. um, I, you know, if I was feeling lazy, I would want to get a cab. But they'd be like, "I'm not taking you up there." You know, yeah, they'd rather go yeah. out to the to the suburbs and and get a, a, a bigger fare. Um, so it is a problem. Um, and uh, look, the NTA are quoted in this examiner piece, and they say that there is no provision for refusal of a passenger for a journey of less than twenty kilometres. Mm. So really, a taxi driver who does this does run the risk of being reported and being really? hit with a yeah. fine as yeah. a result of this yeah. because they're not allowed to do it. Um, right. And equally, you know, think like I mean, one of the, my big bugbears for a long time was taxis drivers who wouldn't take card. Yeah, um, that's gone now. Isn't that's it? gone <laughs> now. Yeah, but you still find the odd driver, you know, trying yeah. to chance his arm. But I mean, legally, they're completely barred from doing this. I mean, one of the really annoying things was taxi drivers picking up at the airport who wouldn't take cards. Yeah, I think that's extraordinary. That's I mean, extraordinary, like the, yeah. the whole airport situation in Dublin is bad enough that we yeah. don't have a rail link. Uh. Uh, out of it, but the fact that you have taxis picking up, and imagine if I was a tourist coming in, yeah, and like, I know, yeah. you know, and they pull into the service station down the road, so yeah. Get out Speaking and get of cash, tourists, you know? by the way, the taxi driver told me this morning, Barbara, that uh, Christmas Day he was working Christmas Day. Uh, mm. There were loads of tourists in Dublin, apparently, right. <laughs> who came to Dublin for Christmas for the crack, <laughs> and he picked up a few. They had nothing to do, of course. Nothing to do, yeah. There was nothing open, open <laughs> but he was telling me that he was busy on Christmas morning, so mm. that was a good sign. I thought, you know, yeah. but yeah. another quick story from myself. I was in Germany this year, yeah. and, and um, I, I had in Germany is bad for, for you know, not, not having cash. They, like, like, they still like cash in Germany. Okay, yeah, yeah. And the taxi driver, I only had a card and he yeah. wouldn't take my card and I couldn't pay him in cash. He gave me his bank account number for me to transfer the money into <laughs> his account. So that was a strange thing because I had no cash on oh me. Oh God. And he wouldn't take my card. One would have thought that Germany said, my were... Iban. <laughs> How did you do it? I did. I was very honourable. I did. I mean, the other thing that uh, that I wonder about is, I think, I mean, are we one of the only European cities that doesn't have Uber? Well, that's another. That text has just come in. Text has come in. Well, we do have Uber, but we have very few Uber. Yeah, Yeah. someone's texting me to ease the rules on Uber. Yeah, Yeah. only taxi people can 
have a can Uber. Uber. Yeah. yeah. Whereas other countries, anybody, anybody, it must yeah. be some restrictions. But I mean, but, we but, were. Um, this sounds like I'm, I'm blowing my own trumpet here, name dropping. But we were in Argentina in November, and where nobody speaks English, it's all like everybody speaks Spanish. So between that and trying to get around a very large city, we would have been lost without Uber. And mm. literally on the app, yeah. there would be a driver within a couple of minutes. Same yeah. for me. Wherever um, I go, Uber was, instantaneous. They were almost. instant. Incredible. Yeah, and it was it was a really uh, tremendous service. Um, Do we know why that's the situation? Well, here, the by taxi. The way. It was the taxi federation that they're, blocked they're the it, wasn't it? Blocked them, yeah, blocked but Uber. I, I, as far as I'm aware, yeah, it yeah. Just, it's been very difficult for them to get regulated. I know they yeah. have an operation here. Uh, I know someone who, who actually works for their, their operation here and, and is, is uh, lobbying, uh, has done for years, lobbied the government to get the regulations yeah. changed. But the taxi industry has it. argued that um, it would have a very negative impact on their um, right, their situation, business. on their yeah. business. And yeah. it would. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, New would, York, yeah, for, for example. Sure. Of course you know, it would, yeah. Whenever I've been in New York, Uber has been essential. Yeah. Um, but that means we don't really use a yellow cab. And I imagine yellow cab drivers are pretty annoyed about that. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. it has created. And it's same in London, other major capital cities, major cities across Europe. I think it's it's done a lot to kind of upend the, the taxi market. <laughs> we, were, yeah. we were in London during the summer. And we took an Uber. It was the first time we ever took an Uber anywhere. We downloaded the app and we took an yeah. Uber. And we got into the Uber and we were thinking, isn't this great now? Much better than a taxi and it'd be cheaper and all. And you crash mm. straight into a taxi and fuck oh, well. <laughs> So you find yourselves on the side of the road again. Well, well, let's hope taxi drivers do take people, especially if they're people more vulnerable. Especially women women on their own, yes. Now, another one getting closer to my heart as I get older. (laughs) Um, You can stay at work until you're 70 and get a bigger pension, it says in the papers. So what what do you make of this one? Well, um, yeah, this is a a policy that has been uh, long flagged and is something that that Fine Gael in particular wanted to get done in government, which is uh, basically... um, you know, giving people, given that we're all living longer as a society and as a, as a, as a population, um, be, because uh, living conditions, I, I guess, have improved um, and the health service has improved so people can, can live longer. Um, this, the whole issue of how we pay for the more and more people who are living longer in their retirement uh, as, as a nation is uh, causing some headaches amongst uh, uh, people in government. So they've set up this new system which comes into effect from... Um, from Tuesday, Monday, even January 1st, where someone who turns 66 from uh, next month will, from uh, January 2025, be eligible for a higher rate when they turn 67 of a pension. So at the moment, if you retire at 66, your weekly pension is 277.30 on reaching 66. Uh, But if you defer your pension until the age of 67 and work for another year, it'll be 290 and then up to 70, where it'll be 337 euro 20 a week. So those rates are then subject to change in future budgets and this government and uh, governments before it have been very uh, interested in hiking up the pension, weekly pension rate by five or 10 euro in every budget. So Mm. this is something I think which will be welcomed by people. so I think it's good. I think it's a good yeah. idea. Is, yeah. it, is it an incentive, is it, you basically? Is that the idea? It's, not it's an words... incentive to keep people working longer, longer in order to make the pension system more affordable so exactly. that we don't run yes, out of money yes. to so pay, people keep paying pay my pension. And mine, it's always a concern. <laughs> right, isn't it? If I ever yeah, yeah. retire. <laughs> As ever, it's our well, young people we worry yeah. about. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. And they've a lot to worry about the young people already. Yeah, they have. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you. I think this is a great idea. Um, I think that you know, and I'm, you'd be probably more of an expert on this than me, but I think the science all says that if you're happy with do, with with what you're doing for a job or as work, the longer so. you stay yeah. at work, the healthier you're likely to be as you age. Yeah. Um, I'm obsessed. I don't know if you watched that program on Netflix. Um, 
Blue Zones, Living to 100. Fascinating. I'm obsessed with that. Um, And one of the things that that comes out, this is this guy who's looked at these Blue Zone areas Mm -hmm. around the world where people tend to live healthier, um, a bigger percentage live healthier up to 100. Uh, But one of the the elements of that is to continue to work and not to stop working. Um, So I think this is a great idea. I also think it'll benefit people who maybe started work later. So that again would be a lot of women maybe who, who stepped back from jobs and, and were out of the workforce yep. for a number of years. So it's giving them an extra few years in order to contribute um, into their PRSI and then, as Hugh said, give them a higher uh, give them a higher pension if they keep going until 70. So right. I think, and I mean, it's not mandatory, it's a choice. choice uh, but yeah. I think certainly, it, to my mind, yeah. if you if you like what you do and you are physically able to continue doing it, which most of us are. Yeah, why not keep you know, doing it? Then I absolutely, think, I think it's a great idea. I think what's going to happen is modern medicine is making us all live to into our 80s now whereas obviously 20, 30 yeah, years you, ago you see, or 40 our, years ago a lot of yeah. people were dying in their 60s weren't they? Yeah, so but, now. but look I have like there's another whole big conversation about this are we medicine keeps a lot of people alive does it give them a quality of life? That's the big and I say this yeah. as somebody who's my own mother who died two years ago at the age of 86 but she literally in her kitchen had a carrier bag full of medication. You should have seen what we had to throw out when we cleared her house because she was literally kept alive. Now, not that I didn't want her to be kept alive, but I think there's a balance between, you know, medicine keeping you alive and actually keeping you healthy and or keeping you with a good quality of life. That's right. Because I think sometimes we keep people alive and... No, the term is health span they're using now. So lifespan is one thing. Not spa. No, no, no. no, no, (laughs) Health span is good as well, potentially. But um, but like, you know, lifespan is you can live to X, whatever the age is. But it's got to be healthy. How long can you be healthy for? Yes, yes, yes. And hopefully... Modern medicine, to some extent, will help people to have yeah. a healthy life into old age. Yeah. And then why wouldn't why wouldn't you be working in your eighties? Yeah, if, if you have all that wisdom and knowledge, and but know. it also comes back to young people. And and this is something you know that that with my daughters, I will often say to them, you know, choose for your work something you enjoy. Yeah, that's not right. something that's going to earn you necessarily loads of money. Yeah, which is yeah. why I'm poor, but I'm happy. That's what exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the way to have it. <laughs> Hugh, you'll never retire, will you? I presume, as a journalist, yeah, you'll keep I mean, going forever. He's only you know, a young fella. He's only young anyway. Yeah, he's yeah, only very won't ask him how old he is. Very yeah, there isn't lucrative pension schemes in journalism, or if there are, I haven't come across one yet. So um, I'll probably have to work until well into my 70s, I would have thought. Yeah. Um, just, and, just given you know, the reality I'm, of the situation. Given the reality of the situation, yeah. And I mean, my dad is he's 69. He'll be 70 next year. And, you know, he's still working. He's self-employed. So... Um, I suppose that that's kind of instilled within me this work ethic to think that like this idea of, of retiring at a certain age and then kind yeah. of doing nothing or yeah. hanging around or going travelling for yeah. for 20 years um, wouldn't necessarily appeal wouldn't to appeal me I don't think same for I me mean, I suppose I what I'd like to do is retiring. sort of incrementally sort of de-escalate the amount of work that I do but I mean you know the other thing is that even in our generation most of my generation have have not pensions mortgages until they're 70 yeah Yeah. a lot of us took out 30 year mortgages at around 40 Right. so you know there wasn't an option to kind of retire you had to keep working until your mortgage is paid I think I'll be paying my mortgage well into my 60s yeah Yeah. Yeah. so you know we have a a text on this one ah now who in their Ah, right mind would want to work past 66 (laughs) maybe 1% (laughs) of people working a job they love 
and may want to stay working, but most people can't wait to retire. Some will have to keep working for financial reasons, but yeah. they don't want to. That's from yeah, but Declan. you see, the other thing is that I think, and I wrote about this in my book, about when you get to kind of 60 or, or, or into your 60s, is that it's a perfect time to change. You can change your career. If, yep. you're, if your financial um, burdens are a little bit less, mm. you might decide, you well, you know else. what? I hated being an accountant, but I'm now going to paint yeah. and see if I can sell my paintings every week on Marion Square or whatever. So work can change. Yeah. You can start to, when you get older, you can start doing things you really love. Yeah. And, and a big one is volunteering. It's another, I, a lot of retirees start volunteering more, more time. Yeah. They can volunteer to work yeah. in their local And make huge uh, or whatever it might contribution be, you know? to, to their local societies exactly. or their I, local communities. There's many options. I think, I think one of the drawbacks of this, though, and it has been identified by others, is that people in more manual, mm. uh, labour-intensive mm. jobs um, who might want to retire at 66, yeah. and indeed might want to, to have retired at 65 before the, the statutory age was increased, um, you know, this idea that, you know, saying that if you stay on longer, you can get a greater pension might appeal to them, but might not necessarily be good for their health, yeah, you know, exactly. because they're yeah. very labour intensive jobs that they might be in, you know, tradesmen, that kind of thing. Uh, so that is potentially one drawback, sort of yeah. incentivising yeah. people to stay on where perhaps they shouldn't. Right. Uh, just to get a better pension. But look, we'll see how it works. We'll see how it works. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to change as, as the years go by. Watch how much. Yeah. It'll go to 75 and then 80. <laughs> That'll be the yeah. Next. You yeah. never know. Yeah, yeah. You never yeah. know. Very good. Well, thank you for the moment. We'll be back after the break with two more really interesting stories. So please stay tuned. And lots of texts are coming in. So people must be in bed listening and enjoying the uh, inter-period between Christmas and New Year. Now, we're back to the, the newspapers. And this one, Barbara, I know you're a huge fan. <laughs> I'm excited. Tuberty teases new show ahead. Why is he always in the media, Ryan Tuberty? Because he's Ryan Tuberty, who up until the summer just gone was, you know, almost a, a, a national icon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's starting his new show on, on Virgin Radio in London on Tuesday. He will be presenting 10 to 1, which is quite, you know, you'll know, Luke, three hours of live radio. Very difficult. Very, is very not, difficult. It's not that easy. And he's used to doing one hour of live radio. So um, it'll, it's a big jump. It's a big leap for him. But anyway, yeah, so the programme is going to start on Tuesday. It'll be broadcast on Virgin in London. It'll also be broadcast here on Q102. And then he's recording, I think, an Irish-specific show, which will go out on certain um, local stations here on Sundays from 10am until 12. And he's never worked harder, has he? So, yeah, I mean, this is hard work. Um, he spoke When he was uh, he, speaking to Virgin Radio, he said that his new show would be a getting-to-know-you process first. And we'll be asking listeners to ask me anything about who I am, where I'm from and what I want from them, which is their attention and love and unending and unyielding, which clearly... That, that that train fell off the tracks rather spectacularly here during the summer. But look, I wish him well. I mean, there is something I was saying earlier, you know, as an owl one watching him and I follow him on social media and he posted yesterday the stuff that he was taking with him to London to put into his new flat or whatever, wherever he's living, which included um, uh, things like um, uh, porridge. Porridge. Uh, yeah. Uh, fig rolls. Right. Kerrygold butter. And controversially, lion's tea. Oh my God. Not Barry's. Not Barry's, yeah. That was controversial. But you know, God, the minutiae of his life is being probed here, isn't it? Well, no, he shared that himself. <laughs> I know, he yeah. stuck that up on social media himself, which is fine. I mean, yeah. I'm an oversharer on social media. I have no problem with that. But uh, my reaction to it as an L1 looking at it was kind of like, it feels like watching, you know, your child heading off to university, yeah. you know, and kind of hoping that they'll be all right. Like he's so quintessentially, or he has identified himself always as so quintessential. 
quintessentially of Ireland yeah. and so quintessentially Irish. You know, he's not ever been one to travel, you know, widely or to, to anything like that. So I just hope he'll be all right over yeah. there in London. Do you no, know, we're worried about him. Where I'd worry a little yeah. bit about him. But you, you, what do you think? How's he going to go down over there in well, England? A, what do you think? I mean, I'm a bit more cynical than Barbara, and I'm. I'm <laughs> Did I'm, I hide my cynicism? <laughs> well, <laughs> I suppose I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I'm someone who who is kind of puzzled by the the public's fascination with Tuberty and his social media and all of that. I mean, it is true. Like there is a an unending fascination with him. The media write about him a lot, and the reason they write about him a lot is because people want to read about yeah. him a lot. Uh, you know, Tuberty's stories on independent.ie do extraordinarily well. Um, so, like, I think that this move uh, for him is the best he could get in the circumstances. I mean, Virgin Radio is is number, uh, I think, three or four in terms of commercial radio stations in the UK. Uh, so it's, it's pretty small potatoes in comparison to what he was doing here. Uh, but obviously, it's a much bigger market. Um, but look, good luck to him. Like, I mean, I Absolutely. hope, it, I hope yeah. it works out. We for wish him all the best, um, don't we? You know, you know. But I, I, I mean, we were just talking about it outside. You know, remembering back in July when he appeared before the Oireachtas Committee, and I mean, <laughs> some of the lines he came out with about you know the size of his salary wasn't, you know, didn't change yeah. his soul and all these kinds of things, and yeah. just you know, referring to himself as the toy man and. Ah, look, yeah. you know, no, no. not Terry for me. Prone not the, for me. But, not for uh, me. Terry no. Prone had the best reaction to him when he appeared at the Oireachtas Committee yeah. and she was on primetime or something later yeah. that night and she was giving her thing and then she said something to the effect of, um, and as for the, um, oh, what was the name of the singer who sang Rhinestone Cowboys? Oh, Glenn Campbell. Glenn, she said, as for his Glenn Campbell response, and I was watching the television going, what's she talking about? And she said, getting cards and letters from people he doesn't even oh, know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, so, you know, yeah. I mean, there is a fascination, there as is, he uh, says, there with is, him. Yeah, there but is. also he provides plenty <clears throat> of kind of entertainment. I'll, I'll bet he go down great, is my prediction watch, because he's a very professional, well, it'll isn't be he? Interesting he knows to see how well he does in Britain, because he did do a stint in, in the BBC, uh, subbing yeah, in for, I think, Terry Wogan and, and, yeah. and others. Right. Um, yeah, and it didn't yeah. quite work out for him. And there was always this thing that, oh, Brian, he might want to go off to London, but they never really expressed a, a desire to have him necessarily. No, no, no. They didn't, didn't. So we'll yeah. see. Well, over the years, Irish presenters have done very well in England, like Terry Wogan. Terry Wogan. Graham Norton. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. So, so maybe Ryan yeah. will be in maybe, that tradition. Maybe, maybe. They're, you know, Graham Big shoes to fill. Big like, shoes to yeah. fill. Terry Rogan was very unique. Graham yeah. Norton is very unique. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ryan Tuberty is he unique, Barbara? Barbara, think about Barbara, were you a Terry Wogan fan? Barbara? Oh yeah, I thought we Terry all were, weren't we? Yeah, and, and yeah, apparently yeah. No, when, he, when he was doing the, the radio in the morning, it was the most listened to radio show in Europe. At that it was, time. and yeah. he had, I mean, I didn't listen to a lot of it, but he did have that very particular kind of, I mean, I know radio is an intimate medium and Ryan Duberty refers to that in this piece, but Terry Wogan did that really, really well. I mean, yeah. it sounded like he was speaking to just one person when mm. he was on the radio. He really did manage to make that. I mean, I'm not sure... I think Ryan Turberty tends to be... Um, I think he almost tries too hard. He tries too hard. That's exactly like it. Gay There's Byrne, something inauthentic. Gay Byrne had this yeah. natural thing yeah. and you were really drawn to him and Jerry Ryan was the same. Absolutely. Mm. And I just don't think Ryan Turberty has ever had that. Yeah. yeah. You know? Right. I, like, I admire what the stuff, he, particularly during COVID with the Late Late Show and all of that, I, yeah. I thought that was really good stuff that he did and I think a lot of people uh, got a lot from that yeah. but I've never really thought that Ryan I, I always felt as if he's almost trying too much to be that, that national icon yes. that Gay Byrne and Jerry Ryan were. And I also think that Ryan Turberty has been damaged by RTE and not just the controversy that blew up during the summer but I think for years and RTE tends to do this they build somebody up mm. as being our number one like the best presenter 
I'm not sure that he was. Yeah. Do you know, yeah. he did one hour of radio in the, the morning paid. and the first 15 minutes of it was a sermon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that the direction in which he took the Late Late Show all the time, but then particularly during COVID, where he almost saw himself as the parish priest of the nation delivering a sermon. Mm. Yeah. I no, found yeah. that a little bit, you know, yeah. but then, um, yeah, so... My well, cynicism is now starting to be up. Thanks, you. Thanks, you. Well, as we say, um, we, we wish him all the very best. I do so, wish and, him and the best. And it's a brand no, new day, absolutely. a new yeah. year, yeah, a new year. He's the biggest second of January. He'll be in there, you know. He'll be in there. And in let's London, hope he does, does yeah. well in London. Exactly, Good luck yeah. to him, yeah. Barbara and Hugh, thank you very much. Thank you for going for us. And a, and a happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year to everybody. Let's hope 2024 is good. It will be. Oh, God, it will be. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday. With Nifty Business. Saturday morning at nine. On News Talk.